from Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment. This is the Award Circuit Podcast. I hate watching myself, you know, when in the other films that I just performed and I was an actor in, I only see it two times, when we have to see it before press and then at the premiere, and then I never visit these films ever again. I can't stomach seeing myself ever again. So having to watch myself in playback every day, scene after scene, was probably one of the worst experiences of my life, having to watch myself and then try to be critical with myself. Halle Berry isn't one to watch her own performances, but as the director and star of Bruised, she sort of had to. I'm Clayton Davis. On this episode of the Variety Award Circuit podcast, we talked to Halle Berry about Bruised, her desire to work with Zendaya, and her advice for Zoe Kravitz, who's going to play the role of Catwoman in the upcoming The Batman. Later in the program, Ariana DeBose discusses her star-making turn in Steven Spielberg's remake of West Side Story. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Halle Berry's career has been one of accolades, struggles, and redemption constantly emerging stronger than she was before. Her work on her directorial debut, Bruise, which she also stars in, proves that fact. In probably her most challenging and authoritative work as an actress since 2001, Barry shows that at 55 years old, she still harnesses the talent and enthusiasm to take on any role. Written by debut screenwriter Michelle Rosenfarb, Bruise tells the story of Jackie Justice, a disgraced fighter that seeks redemption once the son that she abandoned re-enters her life. I don't want to fight. I'm happy. You happy scrubbing toilets? That fulfills your purpose? We're strangers right now. But I'm all you got. That's all I wish you did. I'm offering you a second chance. You gonna take it? Yeah, I'm gonna take it. You know who that is? You ought to. The technique is lacking. I've got five other girls, all stronger, faster, younger. I'm sorry, I just don't see it. You used to be Jackie Justice. Still am. Yeah, she still got something. Welcome back. Barry is in the conversation for the Screen Actors Guild Awards and the Oscar race. And it should be noted, no female director has ever directed themselves to an Oscar nomination for acting. But she shattered ceilings before. I recently spoke with Barry as she opened up about getting Bruise made and what it felt like to be the number one streaming movie on Netflix. After becoming the first black woman to win the Best Actress Oscar for Monsters Ball, she also shares her struggles to find quality work and roles in Hollywood. Finally, she talks about her following acting projects that are on the horizon, which do include Moonfall from Roland Emmerich, The Mothership from Matt Charman, and Our Man from Jersey, which co-stars Mark Wahlberg. We began by talking about how she's feeling right now at this stage in her life and her career. I feel so amazing in my skin right now and in my body and where I've arrived. And yes, really, really, really good these days. That's awesome. Um, I was at the Celebration of Black Cinema for Critics' Choice where you were given a Career Achievement Award. Uh, that makes you feel like like I'm... I'm done. I, I, I get you know? I get iffy sometimes on career achievement awards, and I'm like, like, uh, does like this we're mean not, I'm at yeah. the pinnacle? But, There's nothing else but coming. I, but at Celebration of Black Cinema, I felt good about it. I was like, they don't mean it the way other people do it. Like if you got the Thalberg, well, that's true. <laughs> then I'd be like, because no, <laughs> as black people, we achieve anything. Like let's celebrate it. <laughs> I get um, it. 
But yeah, I was at the celebration of black cinema and oh God, like standing ovation, like everyone loved your speech and you spoke about, uh, just this moment in time, finding love this year, like uh, not this year, you found love in the last few years, you know, where, what did, I guess in the most vague and you can get as deep as you want, but how did you get to this moment where you can feel comfortable in your own skin? Cause it hasn't always been the case for yeah. people. You know, I think I finally realized what people who are always much older than me always said when I was in my 20s, older people in their 50s would say, when you've lived enough life, you will eventually get comfortable in your own skin because you will be older than most people in every room you go into. (laughs) (laughs) So therefore, you know more. And I think it's really just that. I've lived more life than a lot of people uh, that I'm around today, and I just feel like I have been through um, a lot, both highs and lows, and I've survived. And there's a confidence that comes with Mm -hmm. that. And I realize I'm on the other half of it now, and I better start making the most of this time that I have here. And, And that makes me feel really good about where I am and what I'm doing. I know last year at the Toronto Film Festival, when it was announced that you would have your directorial debut uh, there, I had never, it, I'll be honest, it never crossed my mind that Halle Berry can direct a movie one day. Like, <laughs> it, like it just doesn't. And listen, that is, I'm going to say that's Hollywood industry, like doing its thing that I, that I couldn't imagine that mm. our, one of our finest black actresses could do some damage behind the camera too. But then Bruce drops a year later. <laughs> Five years later, well, I don't know. What, I don't <laughs> know what, whatever year this is right now. Um, and again, like blown back. Like I was like, look, look at Halle Berry. Like she like directing movies and like f- framing scenes and getting and knows Stephen McKinley Henderson and giving him work. Thank God. Yes, you know, I, he's I, a I, I, treasure. My 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 heart was skipping beats. I'm I'm just really happy for you. Mm-hmm. And ha- ha- tell me about that journey to get to a director's chair. Well, first of all. Not only you were surprised, I think as a black woman, Mm. we're also surprised that we can do this because we've been taught, however we've been taught, the messaging has been, we can't do it either. So I was as surprised as you are that I actually got the opportunity and we're living in a day and time where I can. You know, 20 years ago, I didn't think that would be possible for myself either. So that's the good news. And, you know, that journey was a long, hard fought one. It was... um, convincing all of those around me too that I could do it. And I'm not so sure those around me always were convinced, Mm -hmm. you know, and they thought I needed a lot of extra things that I turned out, it turned out I didn't need. Mm -hmm. And I had to prove myself every step of the way. But the good news is also, that's what I've done for 30 years. I'm used to proving myself. I'm used to working harder than everybody in the room. So luckily for me, uh, I I had the opportunity to, to prove myself in this way. Let's look at this from an acting standpoint, because uh, it's tricky to direct yourself. Mm. Uh, I've seen many actors turn directors try. Some have done it brilliantly. Some have tried. <laughs> oh, oh! Did I try? Yeah. What are you saying, Clayton? You did it, did it brilliantly. I like, arguably, and this is this is maybe top three. Halle Berry performances and Mm. there's a plethora of them. Mm. So what, and you and I had a conversation early on uh, in the season that this director was harder on you as an actress than any director you ever worked with. (laughs) Right. So tell me about that. Well, you know, I hate watching myself, you know, when 
in the other films that I just performed and I was an actor in, I only see it two times when we have to see it before press and then at mm. the premiere. And then I never visit these films ever again. I can't stomach seeing myself ever yeah. again. So having to watch myself in playback every day, scene after scene, was probably one of the worst experiences of my life, having to watch myself and then try to be um, critical with myself and try to understand when I had done all I was going to do and move on and when I needed to go in and do one more and also watch the other actors that I had so much respect for that I was so concerned about at the same time. So it was very hard, which is why I don't think I would ever want to do this again, direct myself again and star in a movie like this. I either want to direct again, which I hope I get a chance to, or just or just act. Getting the movie picked up out of Toronto and, and you think about it, it was in many ways, it was sight unseen. It did screen there. Yeah. I always feel like this, that first version is a secret <laughs> that no one, <laughs> no one knows. And you know, because there was a pandemic and we weren't allowed in Canada. Um, did you envision that a movie that you directed would be the number one movie on Netflix? No, like, never. And I'll be honest, I didn't I, like when I saw it number one. I lost my face. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, like, that's I was, a like, nice way. I lost my whole shit. <laughs> <laughs> I lost all my shit. I was like, look at y'all watching Mally Berry movies. Like, I know. Good for you. It blew me away, especially because when we made the movie, it was independent. I never even mm-hmm. thought a home at Netflix would be a possible home for it. Yeah. You know, I thought, oh, shoot, my debut is going to come out in the middle of a pandemic and nobody's going to see it. Great. So having Netflix um, get a sneak peek at it, 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 honestly, before it was even finished and have them pick it up was really a dream come true because now for better or for worse, I knew that millions of people around the world would get a chance and an opportunity to see it. And it was like probably one of the best turn of events in this whole situation for me. Got it. Looking at this cast and I, I already brought up Steve McKinley Henderson, but like the entire cast is, is really, really like hitting on all cylinders. They're just really talented. And I always feel it's the job of, people like yourself who have had such great success when they walk through a door and they're the only person in a room, it's not let the door close behind them that they hold the door open. So someone else can walk through. Yes. You brought a whole lot of them (laughs) into that room. (laughs) Um, Talk about that up and coming talent uh, that you worked with. You know, a lot of, a lot of them we don't know, right? but we do now. We do now. First of all, Sheila, a team, who plays Budokan in the movie. She's a British actor. She's a stage actress. She is amazing. The most effortless, seamless, simple, beautiful actor I've mm-hmm. seen in a long time and had the pleasure to not only direct, but to be a scene mate with yeah. was just heaven, mm. heaven. And little Danny Boyd, he didn't say a word in the film, but he's a revelation. He, he, the cutest kid alive. Like, oh just God. like, I was like, just like scoop him up. He's such a cute kid. And, and smart and intuitive. Does so much with his face. Like, yes. Oh God. And present. And he was amazing. And Adrian Lennox has been around a very long time. But I mean, she brought Angel. She was yeah. unapologetically the character of Angel. But yeah, she was unapologetically Angel. And by that, I mean... She didn't shy away from those hard moments and those harsh scenes and really bringing the truth of this character and this Mm -hmm. woman um, to life. And I love that about her. She was fearless. And so was Aiden Canto because he was fearless as Desi. You know, he didn't judge that character. He wasn't afraid to show all of the sides, the good, bad, the ugly of this man. And I love actors that 
aren't afraid to just service the characters and not worry about how they will be perceived as an actor or how they're going to be looked at within the film. They just want to act and service the characters and all these actors. And Valentina Chiptanko, I mean, oh, let's yeah. count her. Yeah, I mean, you, she's the flyweight champion. She played a character. Yo, know, like, <laughs> it's a really weird question, but. How good of a fighter are you outside of that movie? Like, could you, like, <laughs> if you got in the cage, like, how quickly would that end for you? Or do you think you could actually go a couple rounds? It'll end very quickly. <laughs> Let's not be uh, silly here. Um, if I were fighting someone that didn't know how to fight, oh. I, I probably would win. Okay. But if I had to fight a real like fighter a, that had any training at all, yeah. I mean, let's not, I, it, it'd be over. But, yeah. uh, it was fun to pretend to be one and to study and train enough to look like I was you one. You probably could throw a punch now better. You could probably do a lot more damage now. You've really got into it, so I, you should have retained yes. some info. Yes, and I'm going to keep doing I'm going to keep studying my jujitsu. My goal this year is to get a purple belt. Ooh. I have a blue belt right now, and I'm going to try to up my belt every couple of years if I can. Awesome. I want to do a little bit of a career retrospective with you because we love so many of your roles and a lot, a lot of them that stick out to us. And there's everyone has like a different discovery, like when they when they saw someone for the first time. Um, and the first time, I, and this is just going to speak bad to parenting uh, of my my parents. The first time I saw you was Boomerang. Mm. <laughs> Were you what five? I, I was. <laughs> is that why eight. I was eight. <laughs> And I should have been watching Boomerang, oh my God. But, but I saw Boomerang and I was like, oh, hello. And then actually, and funny enough, I think that's my first Eddie Murphy uh, experience as well. Oh. Um, so like thinking back to, and then obviously I discovered your earlier stuff. I went to Jungle Fever and The Last Boy Scout. Um, that Those early days of your career, what do you remember uh, most prominently that, or something that really sticks out that you were most scared of? Uh, when you first started out in this business? Most scared of. Yeah. Uh, I think I was just afraid of like the Eddie Murphys. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? To be in the room with these sort of icon. He was already an icon at that time. You know, to be in the room with these actors that I had grown up watching or who had I had so much respect for, to actually be in a scene with Eddie Murphy was nerve-wracking. You know, would I hold my own? Would I be able to really do the dance with him and be a great scene partner? Like, those were the things that, you know, even in Last Boy Scout, to be with Bruce Willis, like, that was a big deal for me at the time. I was just this green actor starting out. So it was always being in scenes with these people that were very accomplished and I thought very talented and would I be able to hold my own yeah. with them. That was my Eartha Kit introduction around that time period too, <gasps> yes. because it was that, and she was in earnest, scared, stupid. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and it, it was like, it just things that like stick out that you just remember. It's like, oh yeah. wow, they, those meant a lot. Yeah. And Grace Jones scared the shit oh, out of me. Oh my God. Yeah. She oh scared, my God. She, like she, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I couldn't even speak when I got around Grace Jones. <laughs> um, the first, uh, I think full fledged drama, that uh, I saw you that I really took notice uh, that I can recall uh, was losing Isaiah. Uh, it, was, it was something that like, you know, one of those, again, like I'm 11, what the hell am I doing watching losing Isaiah? <laughs> but like, I, I felt like the, the pain I, and it, maybe it, I'm just putting this together now, seeing uh, the, the differences between a white woman and a black woman and the privilege that one has over another. And I didn't recognize it as that, you know, mm -hmm. when I was a child. Um, but 
it seemed like one of the first big swings of your career. Did you feel that or did you feel like you were already swinging kind of? No, that was certainly a big, sw- I mean, to play opposite Jessica Lange, there we go. We talk about one of those actresses that I Fresh admired. off her second Oscar win, Jessica oh, Lange too. Okay. And then there's <laughs> little old me like in scenes with ask, you know, being asked to hold my own with yep. Jessica Lange. And so I do think that was me, um, sort of finding my stride. And it was the first time I felt like, wow, I, this is an amazing opportunity to work alongside her and opposite her. Yeah. And then I was wildly, you know, she, and I also learned on that movie how other actors work and what I would have Mm. to face because Jessica, like I couldn't wait to meet Jessica Lang. I thought I'm going to pick her brain. I want to understand everything about everything she has to say. And she's at that time on this film was in a position where she didn't want to know me. She wanted to keep my character somewhat of a mystery to her. She wanted Uh to use like a sort of in a method way and not have a relationship with me. So my dream of wanting to talk to her and get to know her like died really hard because she was like, "Uh -uh, no. (laughs) And so I learned that, oh, every actor has their own process. And I had to not take that personally, but respect that that's how she was going to get the performance she wanted to get out of herself. And she, and knowing me wasn't on her agenda. Oh, wow. So interesting. Um, just a quick question, because now I'm thinking about it. What's your quintessential Eddie Murphy performance that you think of? When you think of Eddie, you go this movie. Coming to America. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. I, have an, I have a really obscure one. It's The Distinguished Gentleman. I don't know. I love that movie so much. And <laughs> really? I love, because I also love Shirley Ralph like, yes. more than life oh, itself. Well, yeah. um, but I love that movie. It's like no one knows it or has seen it. And it's probably ridiculous. I don't think I've seen it in the last couple of years. I've but, seen it. It, it, it holds yes. up. If yeah, it, holds it does up, hold okay, up. Good, thank yeah, you. Yeah, it right. does. You're, you're, I believe you're not that. wrong. If you, if you said I just love line. Eddie and Arsenio together. Maybe because Arsenio yeah. is my homeboy from Cleveland. I don't know. But that sticks in my mind when I think about Eddie and just the silliness of it. And uh, I love it. Uh, when I think of Halle Berry being fun, I think of two roles. Uh, Nina in Bullworth. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's you just being so fun. And Swordfish. That's, mm. that's Halle like – I feel like that's Halle like – Unleashed. I think that's the first time like Hallie was like, I'm gonna do me. Y'all <laughs> just take me for me and I'm gonna do this movie. Mm. And I love yeah. Swordfish. I think it's so much fun. Yeah. But like where are you in the early two thousands? That's also one year post X Men. Yes. Miss Storm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it was just um you're right. I think I was in a phase where I felt like I was done proving myself in some ways. And it was about having fun and taking on roles that gave me a chance to have fun and work with some actors. Like I really wanted to work with Hugh. I loved Hugh. So when we worked together on X-Men, if I could do every movie with Hugh Jackman, that's what I would do because I really just love who he is as a human being. I never being. put that together. You were with Hugh twice in one year. Yeah, I'd yeah. be like, oh wow. Yeah. And I jumped at that chance because I loved working with him. So Hugh, if you're out there, Allie <laughs> wants to work with you again. Oh, he yes. knows. Oh, he knows. <laughs> it's not a secret. Good. He knows. He All knows. Right. I love him to right. death. Um, but yeah, that was a phase where I was just allowing myself to have some fun and choose roles that gave me a chance to grow and try something new. And then, uh, later in 2001, uh, you do this movie called Monsters Ball by Mm -hmm. Mark uh, Forster. Uh, it stands in history for significant reasons, but I don't want to talk about that part because I know you've spoken about it a lot, but what, what do you remember about preparing to do monsters ball and what did you expect the reaction to be because again we talk about you taking a swing for losing isaiah yeah now you 
you pointed to the left bleachers. You were Babe Ruth. This is a Sandlot time. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you were like, I'm going for it. And you did it. I did. But you know what I remember most is all the people around me telling me this will probably most potentially ruin your career. Really? This is going to be a rap pally. And do you want to go down with this film? Yes. That's what I was told. People that, oh God. That's what I was told. And largely because of the racial tones of it at the time. That was 20 years ago. We're not where we are now. It was kind of like, you know, the nigger word came out of someone's, a white man's mouth in the movie. And it was like, that's yucky. And the, the sex was explained to me they thought it's very salacious and explicit you don't need to do something like that at this point and you're and then a black woman with a white like this it's going to be all bad 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 you're going to just be done before you even really get going and so that's what i was thinking about as i was going into it i grappled with what my instinct said to me as an artist seeing a character that gave me a chance to just dig my teeth into something and do something i'd never done and what my representatives around me were saying this could end it end it end it end it and so that's what i was grappling with and then i came to the conclusion that okay if this is the end of it for me then i'm going to end it on my own terms believing in mm. myself and believing in my gut and as a and, and ending it based on an art, an artistic choice that i'm daring to make and not let fear stop me from doing something and if it's meant to be done then let it be done i'll go do real estate because i also <laughs> love that <laughs> I need or I'll to, go be an interior decorator. Can, can, can you find me a cheap? Can you find me a cheap spot in LA? Because I don't think I could buy anything here. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little pricey right now. Um, one thing with that with that year, and obviously what led to to your Oscar win uh, that I talk about often, the perfect storm of events that led to the moment. Even like even bigger, we always think bigger than yourself. The year before Russell Crowe won Best Actor for Gladiator. So he comes back with a beautiful mind. Beautiful mind is the front runner. And Russell Crowe is about to go back to back on Oscar wins. Uh, Tom Hanks did it in the 90s. Russell Crowe is ready for that. And then then they announced Sidney Poitier is getting the Lifetime Achievement Award. And people go, ooh, Golden Globes. I don't know if it was necessarily in this order, but then the Golden Globes happen. You lost the Golden Globe to Sissy Spacek. And people were like, oh, that kind of sucks. And then, and then Russell Crowe threw a phone. That was that year. He threw a phone. Yep. And then uh, you won SAG. Russell Crowe also won SAG. And then on Oscar night, it's never happened since SAG has existed that someone won Best Actor, Mr. Denzel Washington, who's on our cover this week, um, that someone won Best Actor, losing every televised award show that preceded. It was the perfect storm of events because people then perked up and they said, Denzel, Sydney, Hallie, hell yeah, we let, let's do this. It's the right thing to do. And it was one of the most memorable nights mm-hmm. in history. Yeah. yeah. Of my life, for sure. At least yeah. the parts I can remember because I really did black out. <laughs> <laughs> I showed my daughter your Oscar speech the other day. Oh. Yeah, because cause she was... I haven't introduced her to a Halle Berry movie yet because well, there's nothing she can see. Uh, X, mm. She could watch X Men, oh, maybe. She's not into and, superheroes. And race the sun. Yet. Race the sun. Oh yeah, that's a good one for yeah, little kids. I could do that. Actually, I, I kind of want to show her Dorothy Dan- Dandridge. Yeah, they there's could. nothing too yeah. bad. In she's, there. she's ten. I mean, yeah. like, listen. Yeah. I, I, so I was watching Losing Isaiah and Boomerang. Yeah. So yeah. at this point, it's whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it, it was. It, I, I showed it to her and then because she wanted to know, like, you know, like why you're so important in Oscar history, and I showed her the speech and. She was like, you know, why, why did she cry? Like, why is she so emotional? I was like, because 
at that point, it's 70 something years. And there's been no one that looked like Halle Berry that went on that stage in a leading category. Yeah. And then Berry just beautifully and so innocently, she's like, but why? And then uh, they got too complex. And I was yeah. like, we're still, we're still, we're still working on that. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I just took my daughter to the Academy Museum where that speech plays. Mm -hmm. And she had never seen the speech either. She had really? seen excerpts of it, mm -hmm. but she had never seen it really. And she certainly, if she had seen it, she had never seen it with me. So we stood in the Academy Museum and we watched it. And I looked over at her towards the end and tears were streaming down her face. And it was a moment for us as mother and daughter. And she kind of echoed your daughter. She said, why did that take so long, Mom? Mm -hmm. I don't understand. Because she was born in a year where Barack Obama was president. I, so for her, it's it, it, she can't even fathom that that would make me cry. And that was such a big deal. Yeah. And to her, I'm just regular old cracker's mom. <laughs> so she was like... <laughs> but she was still moved by the fact that I was so moved by it. But these, you're right, this generation, they're like, but why? Yeah, like, I, I don't I, get it. Yeah, and it's, it's such a... a a lot of levels to, to comb through. Yeah. But yeah. It, it, it's, Too much it's, to explain to her standing yeah. in the museum. I was like, we'll, we'll, we'll get there soon. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. Oh, to keep our running theme, because I've spoken to you many times this season, has your daughter directed a movie yet? That's our running <laughs> thing. I'd say I was going to ask you every time I saw you, has she directed a movie she, yet? She's been directing movies, but she's doing stop motion movies. Okay. In her bedroom with her dolls and all her figures and her stuffies and <laughs> things like that. But she is writing Has she and seen Fantastic Mr. Fox yet? Oh, that's our favorite movie? Oh, yeah. We watched that. We have seen that movie. I knew you were raising her a bazillion times. Oh, it's my favorite my Wes God. Anderson movie. Yes, yeah. me too. Yeah, me too. It's great. Me too. It's awesome. And Meryl and George, like I, we love that movie. And when you come to our house at Christmas, it's a requirement to watch <laughs> really? Fantastic Mr. Fox with us. <laughs> I want to. Yeah, I want to be at Happy's yes. house on Christmas and watch yes. Fantastic. It'll be awesome. Yes. Um. So the next question now is: You win an Oscar. It's supposed to blow everything up for you you're supposed to like that's what happens right you're supposed to get your the door's supposed to be knocked down everyone wants you and you're working a lot but it doesn't open the way we see it open for others when they uh when when an oscar and listen with no shame like die another day is great you're great die another day uh catwoman has found an audience finally i know thank you crazy thank you for that like we were we were Telling y'all back then, but I, I get it. Um, what did that post-Oscar glow feel like for you? What, what did you think it was going to do for your career? I thought the script truck was going to back up to my door and dump really? them all off. That's mm. my naivete thought. I've got a historic win. This has never happened. We've been waiting 70-something odd years. Mm -hmm. Clearly, this is going to mean this struggle is going to be indelibly easier for me. And that just didn't happen. And weeks and weeks and weeks went by and it finally set in, oh, I have this award and I couldn't be more proud of it. I can't go anywhere now without someone knowing my name. Mm -hmm. That changed, you know. But Wait, that changed then? Like people weren't like calling you out on the street? Like, they were, oh, but after no, the Academy then, Award. Then it, was, then it was over. And <laughs> with the speech and how mm -hmm. it affected people, That's, I yeah. now had a world of new friends yeah. who really related <laughs> to me. And, and, and we had this connection that was palpable and real and visceral, right? But within the industry, like, you know, the big famous directors, no one called, the great scripts, character roles, great roles for a leading woman, nobody called, nobody came. And so my reality went very much back to normal. 
you know, and I was still suffering from, oh, just being a pretty face and all the roles that I really wanted. I kept hearing, but that she doesn't, she can't play that. No, no, no. And if we put a black woman in it, then the kids become biracial. And then how does the story change? Or if they're in a real uh, interracial relationship, like that affects the story and no, 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 no. And this was 20 years ago. So it was a bit disheartening that the highest achievement of my industry really didn't make my struggle any easier. Yeah. You know, but we go on but and you, I realized, what, okay, that didn't help, Yeah, but I'm wildly proud of it. And I just put my head down and I kept trying to find a way out of no way. And I was determined to keep working and keep, you know, trudging forward. Can you, like, it's a very like weird thing to think about, but do you, can you remember the first time you watched a trailer for one of your movies post Oscar that it's an Academy Award winner? Oh yeah. Halle Berry? Do yeah, you? Yeah, I do. And, um, Every time I see it, you really want to know the truth. <laughs> I go, oh shit, I got that thing. That's not unique to then. It's <laughs> got, now. Yeah. Every time. You know, and I don't think that's something you ever get over as an Oscar winner to have that, you know, and that will never go away. I don't care what anybody says. You can't take my SAG card away and you can't take that Oscar mm -hmm. away. Those I write it out every time. Oscar winner, Halle Berry. It. Show some damn respect. Come <laughs> on now. But you know, you, I don't think you ever get over, ever get over that feeling. And, and I'm reminded when I see that, oh God. Oh, I have, I have that, you know, and yeah. I live with it in my house in a very obscure way. So it's not like I see Oscar very often, yeah. the where he lives in my house. So it's always a, a surreal reminder when I see that in front awesome. of my name, for sure. In looking at, I was just thinking about this with, uh, with Catwoman, Zoe Kravitz has taken, has taken yes. her on, uh, in the Batman, uh, have you seen the first look of it? And do you have like any advice for her? In the, I mean, this is a, a, a character that has been portrayed by yeah. many yes. powerful women. Yes. Do you have any advice for her? I haven't seen any of it, but I just tell her, you know, get ready. They might come for you, <laughs> but don't let that, you know, um, affect her interpretation of who she thinks Catwoman might be. And I, I personally think she's going to be a, a wonderful Catwoman, mm. uh, so, personally. I love... Um, Mid two thousands for you, two thousand seven. Well, uh, mid to late two thousands, uh, two thousand seven, two thousand ten. Your back to back roles are things we lost in the fire, and Frankie and Alice. Mm. I think you're fire in, in in both those roles. First of all, you're working with Benicio del Toro. And how can you not be uh, when you work <laughs> opposite him? Listen, as someone who's half Puerto Rican, half black. I had both of y'all on screen. Ooh. It was made for me. <laughs> I was like, all right, I have my king and queen here. This is what we're supposed to do. Uh, also, the last Latino that has won an acting Oscar yes. as well. Um, what were you looking for at that time? Uh, and what have you been, I guess, has that changed? What were you looking for in roles to take on? Because they're very different characters. Yeah. Always looking to do something different. That's mm -hmm. kind of it. You know, after Monsters Ball, the thing that I did get offered a lot was another downtrodden role very similar to Letitia Musgrove, which mm. I didn't really want to do that because I had just done that. So what I was looking for then and what I continue to look for in my career is just a chance to do something different, put on new skin, learn something, grow, you know, and if, if it feels too familiar, like something I've done before, then I usually... Uh, it's usually a no. I feel like I've been there. I've I've chartered those waters. I'm looking to push myself in a new way. It's amazing. And then obviously there 2010s. I don't know. Do you call them 2010s? I guess we're gonna call it that. Uh, Cloud Atlas. You got to work alongside oh. Tom Hanks. Yes. Like yes. Oh. That, I I remember watching that with my wife, and we were just. I mean that that story is so expansive, but it was just like Tom Hanks and Halle Berry, just like roles I never would yeah. imagine you guys yeah. in and you guys 
we're doing it. And we got to play so many. Like, that was a reason. To, I, how, I broke, how many, do, you remember, do you remember how many characters in total? I played five. Five. But here's the thing. I broke my foot two days into shooting that movie. And I begged Lana and Andy to please do not send me home. Just wrap this foot up and let me work. Please. I will never again have a role like this where I get to play five people in one. Please, mm -hmm. please do not send me home. Whatever you do. Yeah. <laughs> and they didn't. So I wrapped my foot up every really? day. I worked on a broken foot. The whole, the the whole, whole time. Had to be carried certain places by my security guy because I couldn't go up steps or whatever, whatever. I got home and I still had, I had seven bones broken in my foot and I got home and they were as broken. Tripping. I was, no, mm -hmm. I was staying in this house and I had my daughter Nala with me and we were on this kind of olive garden house and there were little lambs that were on our property. And every morning she and I would wake up, I'd have my coffee and we'd look at the animals. Uh -huh. And this morning she woke up and she saw a little lamb and she started to run after it. She wanted to catch it. Now I knew she'd never catch it. Yeah. So I let her run and she ran and she ran and she ran and she ran so far that she got to sort of the end of the, like the path. And then it was a big decline. And I thought she's going to get to the end. The little lamb's going to go over and she's going to stop. Well, guess what? She did it. She went over. And when I saw her go over, I dropped my M cup, Mama. took off, got to the thing, to the edge, and she was in the middle, halfway between the mountain and the end of the thing. And she had managed to get herself hooked on a little piece of a tree that was stuck out and it caught her. And that's the only reason she didn't end up on the bottom. So now I have to go down there and get her. And then try to bring her back up. So when I got down. Is it down, just you and her? At this, it's just she and I. Okay. And it's like six o'clock in the morning. And we're so far away from our house where the other women are that yeah. were with us. So we, I see her there. I make my way gingerly down there. I get my arms around her. It's like the best feeling of my life. Got her. Yeah. Now I have to get us either down or up. I choose to go up. When I go to turn to go up, I slip and I fall down the hill the rest of the way. But to protect her, I don't you know, sort of um, break my own fall. I'm just holding on to her with dear life. And I'm just biting it down the hill with my one foot underneath me. And I'm going down and we're riding down. She thinks she's on a roller coaster. <laughs> and I'm holding her and we're going down and we make it to the bottom and we get to the bottom. My foot is busted wide open and I can't stand up. And so I know something's broken. I know something's wrong. She's screaming. I'm screaming. We're How old is she this time? She's five. Oh, wow. She's five. And we just have to scream there until some this sheep herder finally found us there and came and took us back. And I go to the hospital. I had seven bones broken in my foot. Day two of shooting. <laughs> Do you remind her of this often? Oh yeah. That, you almost, that she almost cost you Tom Hanks uh, and uh, Wach and Wachowski film. I do. And anytime she wants to mouth off, I'm like, girl, look, <laughs> you know, I love you. <laughs> Come like, on. You're not supposed to be here Come because <laughs> I Come wrapped on. you. I'm, I'm imagining like almost like the opening of cliffhanger of like you on a <laughs> rope and just like holding her with one arm. Jesus. Oh God. And she remembers it. You know, a lot of times kids, she's now 13. Really? They don't remember things that happened at five, but it was so traumatic for her. And for me too, that to see her mother at the end, she was screaming, blood was shooting out of my foot. I'm screaming. I'm in pain. Like, How did this people is find you, by the way? Did you, you like scream for them or they just no, came looking no. for you? No, oh. it was a sheep herder, really, a guy looking like with a sh with like a little Bo Peep thing came down, couldn't speak a word of English, finally finds us down there. And, and I'm like, Vamanos to the casa, get the mujeres. I think I'm telling him, go to the house and get the women. But what I'm really saying is, let's go to the house. So he's trying to pick me up. And I'm like, no, don't touch me. Vamanos to the casa, get the mujeres. And he's like, yes, yes, si, senorita, come on. And he's trying to pick me up. And I'm like, no. And my daughter's standing there going, ah. <laughs> 
It was there drama. is a film adaptation of this that you have to do. <laughs> like this is this is too good of a story. Oh my god, it's gonna. Oh my god, it's gonna be your daughter's first movie that she's gonna direct. This is oh. the of, of her having her life saved and breaking. The horror, horror oh. in Mallorca. Oh jeez. <laughs> have you worked on your Spanish uh, since then, though? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I see, I see. <laughs> you haven't hung out with Benicio in a while. I see. <laughs> um, your next big projects. Uh, what's next for you? Our man from Jersey. Yes. What is our man from Jersey? That is a movie with Mark Wahlberg, where we play um, like CIA types, and there's action, there's fighting, there's a little flirtage stuff happening. Okay. It's still in the works. It's being kind of tweaked and that. rearranged for us both. But that's an exciting thing that I have coming up. Got it. Uh, the Mothership this year. That comes out. That's a Matt Charman movie that we did for Netflix. Mm -hmm. um, that's really cool. The reason I really wanted to do this movie was I, I was a big fan of E.T. I love science fiction movies. And this is a chance where we get to play a black family finds a spaceship in their backyard. And take it for a ride. Mm, we'll see what happens. Uh, not intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we do ride on it. <laughs> Um, and just in a few weeks, Moonfall. Moonfall, yeah, rolling. Uh, how excited are you for Moonfall? What What should we expect from Moonfall? The trailer looked great. You know, it's a great Roland Emmerich disaster end of the world <laughs> movie that I think people good timing often like. <laughs> I know. Thanks. <laughs> we really, really needed that right now. <laughs> You're also working with uh, two of my favorites in there, Michael Pena and yes. Donald Sutherland. Yes, yes. OG. Oh my god, love them. It's awesome. Um, the director you want to work with the most that you have not yet? Uh, David O. Russell. Darren Aronofsky. Mm -hmm. Taking notes. Are you guys listening? Yep. <laughs> David O. Russell. <laughs> Can somebody get them Darren the memo? Darren Aronofsky. Um, yeah, those are two that I would, um, you would really like to work with. And I would like to work again with Susanna Bear. Oh, yeah. Would really like to work with her. I had a wonderful experience working with Suzanne. That's cool. Uh, the actor and maybe D. Reeves. Oh, D <laughs> oh my God! Yes, D. Reese. Yes. 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 Oh, he's just oh, yeah. She's she's amazing. She's I need her next movie. What's she doing? Come on, D. I think she has a TV show actually coming. Yeah. Uh, the actor you want to work with uh, alongside that you haven't had a chance to yet. You know who I really want to work with is Zendaya. You don't understand. You, you, you and can't, I have you, an idea. You, I have a plan. You have the oh, go ahead. I, I have the Pitch. plan. I'm not pitching it. I'll, I'll tell you later. <laughs> but I have a plan. I I would love to like play her mother. I have an idea. Like I really, really, I think she is. She is the next. She's the future. And I really want to work with her. I just okay. We just need to put this out there because it's going to be on record. People are going to hear this. She's going to hear about it. This may happen. If either of you win an Oscar for this, I get a shout out in that acceptance speech of this moment where it was born. Like, like it, you have to be like, Clayton, thank you for having me on the podcast where I said it out loud and then it came to fruition. That's all I want. That's all I require. And I will be But even if we just do it and we don't get an Oscar, can we that, still shout you out? Yeah. Clayton? I mean, I mean, as long as it's on TV. Yeah. At the premiere. Yes. Just yeah. like Clayton is because Clayton, we got here and then that's fine. And then I just want a good seat at the premiere. Yeah. And then uh, your next 
directorial project. I know you said it's something that you have to really uh, be passionate about in order yeah. to do. It has to be something that really speaks to you because Bruised was um, something that you said. You said, uh, I feel like I was going to die if I didn't do it. Yeah. Have you found something that is going to kill you? <laughs> yeah. If I don't do it. <laughs> if you don't do it. Yeah. There's something that I'm eyeballing. Yeah. So it's not, it's just hurting you right now. It's not like. It's hurting it's, it's me right hurting. now. Okay. Yeah, it's hurt so good right now, but it could potentially become something that I would have to, that I would die if I didn't get to do. Yeah. And the million dollar question that everyone gets, I'm sure you've never gotten this before. Would you ever do a Marvel movie? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is there some character that you would want to play? Not particularly. Just be would just like to do but one. But I'd be open to it. You know, I'm open to all things. If it gives me a chance to grow and do something new, I'm 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 open to it. Would you also do a musical? If I could sing, I would. Yeah, I was like, I was gonna ask. Can, <laughs> but that's can a small you? problem. <laughs> is is it like like well, can, can you can you hold a tune or is it or is it just like it's not. Really? I can hold a tune. And okay. I've had this conversation with Van, my okay. my boyfriend now, who tells me all the time, you can sing. You can sing. You just have to work oh. at it. I could help you. You could you could sing. And I'm like, no, I really can't sing. And he keeps telling me, I think you can. Hallie, are you I that kid in class that said, oh, I didn't study for the test. And then you get the <laughs> test back and you got 100. No. And I, I studied. Study, and got I got like, an F. I don't believe. Um, I had to study. I don't know. <laughs> and I'd have to work at my singing in order to do a musical. He's just, is trying to convince me that if I worked at it, like everything else I've done, mm -hmm. if you work at it, I know you, you could do I, it. I don't know if I buy that you can't sing. <laughs> like, all right, let me ask you this. Is, is, there, is there a musical that you would do knowing that you got there that you would take on, that you would want to do? No. Is there a role? There's no, there's no, like, <laughs> there's no stage production that like speaks to you? Like, no. Like an Aida? No. There's or, nothing or, I've ever or, seen. Or like a Damn Yankees? No. Be Lola? No. There's nothing that made me think I could do that because I've never thought I could, so I've never thought of myself that way. I would have to really get someone to say, to really want me to do something and convince me that I should try and then back me and teaching me how to sing and then maybe I will. I'm going to make some calls on Broadway. I think we're going we're gonna to start you off, you know, on Broadway and we're going to oh, see. Oh yeah, starting me off slowly yeah, on Broadway. I, I want to start you off there. I was and thinking then, of Chicago Regional Theater maybe. That uh, might listen, be a better place Listen, you would make a uh, fantastic Roxy Hart. Yeah? You make a really good Roxy Hart. You think so? Yeah. Like I'm like I'm really thinking about it right could now. She, could she rap it instead of sing it? I mean, sure. You can make it, you can make it, listen. <laughs> then I might. <laughs> not to name names, but there are people who have the way I say that people have tried to direct themselves, there are people who have tried to sing in musicals. And I they, know, which and is they, why I won't be one of those. And, people. They, and they try. <laughs> I, I think you have. I think you have good enough people that would say, "Hallie, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know." No, I know. I tried to do my singing in Dorothy Dandridge, and to my own credit, when I heard it, I said, "No, no, 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 no. Dorothy deserves better. <laughs> Bring in a singer. <laughs> Bring in a real singer. I can't do this to my girl. She's my my idol. I I, I, right. I can't." So we'll no. get there. That's Halle Berry, Star of Brews, now streaming on Netflix. After the break, West Side Story star Ariana DeBose. From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. And we're back. It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, and I'm Clayton Davis. There's a staggering legacy tied to the role of Anita, the Puerto Rican girlfriend of shark leader Bernardo, 
in West Side Story, and star Ariana DeBose was well aware of it. The role represents the sole recognition of a Latina acting winner at the Oscars when Rita Moreno took home the statuette 60 years ago. This year, if DeBose lands an Oscar nom, she would be just the 10th Latina to be nominated in the category. If Moreno manages also to join her, she would shatter two records. At 90, she would be the oldest nominee in history, and she would also be the first Latina to ever be nominated a second time. I recently spoke with DeBose about her experience working on Steven Spielberg's first musical and the Oscar buzz that she's been receiving so far this season. We began by noting how West Side Story had finally made it to theaters after such a long wait. I know. <laughs> I feel, feel like people started to wonder if we actually made the movie. It, it was going to be a really good prank of like, you know, guys, listen, <laughs> really nice pictures we took and we like let you believe that we were going to do it. Uh-huh. It was you, all, it was, it was all, all an all elaborately ruse. planned joke. All ruse. <laughs> you, you and I spoke last year uh, because it was my first year at Variety and uh, you were, do- you were promoting the prom and we were talking about West Side Story and it's so little known about it, you know, <laughs> and you were dropping all your subtle hints that you were allowed to regarding yeah. a movie that was kept under wraps. But now that it's out into the world and it's been as beloved as it, it's been, I mean, it's, it's gotten critical acclaim. You are currently, time of recording, leading in supporting actress prizes for every supporting actress winner this season. Wow. So far, I don't know if you knew that you are. I did not know that. That is that's an honor. I'm yep. wow, yeah. oh. kill oh. it, lady. I'm gonna take a sip of coffee on that one. <laughs> I'm sweating, Clayton. I'm yeah, sweating. that's right. But how does it feel to finally have it out in the world? It's thrilling, you know, it really is absolutely thrilling to have something that you, you worked so hard on. Like, we all worked so hard yeah. on this film. And we put our blood, sweat, and tears, love, and passion into it. So, you know, I'm, I'm someone who I love to share art with people. And I'm, I'm thrilled that this has been so well received. I am so happy that I got to make, you know, make a movie, make a movie musical in this way. I think it's such a beautiful, a true, like, cinematic experience, a beautiful, moving piece of art and it's not every day you get to make something that you're, you know, you're this proud of, you know, and share it in this way. And that to me is the win, you know, I'm just a little girl from Broadway who was like, I really like to make movies. Yeah. <laughs> with Steve, like, with Steven Spielberg, by the way. Well, that was uh, that part. I didn't manifest that specifically. I, I manifested, I want to make movies. And then sure. Senor Spielberg came along and was like, how about me? And I was like, Cool. Yeah. I don't know. Like you're you're a good up and comer. You're, you're going places. We, we can work we can work this out. His first well, I could work with this talent. <laughs> his first musical, by the way. Yeah. Like he's been doing it, like he's been doing it for years. Well, you can feel his love, you know, for movie musicals. I real I feel that. I watching this film, I was like, he really loves this genre. Mm-hmm. And I think I mean it. I'm sad that this is his first musical. You know what I mean? It's like, I feel like it's a good, like the most well-kept secret, you know, that Steven Spielberg makes good musicals. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So I have to address your dancing in the film, if you you don't mind. 
because uh, you do it very well. If you must. Not, not, not up Thank to you. like where I could do it if I had that dress on and I was, you know, flailing through the streets very well. But you do <laughs> a, a very admirable job. I remember you telling me uh, after I saw the film, uh, we caught up outside and you said the, fo- the floor was so hot during uh, mm-hmm. America yeah that like it burned mm-hmm. through your shoes like it was like the hottest day of the year that that like the hottest day of that year correct yeah we were we were shooting it at a heat wave it was like a, i think the heat index was 107 or 8 that day um it was something really wild and because we're dancing outdoors like yeah. on cement in the streets of new york and it was so hot burned holes in my shoes it's wild you know and it's also, just as as a professionally trained dancer, like which honestly, I consider myself more of a poetic athlete, you know, because <laughs> okay. this is like, yeah, this is actually this type of dance. It's so physical. The the maintenance that goes into it. It's like thank God, Stephen hired professional dancers to pull this off because the amount of you know ice buckets and. And you know, massage and and just physical therapy that goes into keeping yourself going and to making work like this. It's I don't know. It, this is like the Olympics of movie musicals. It's like the Olympics for for theater dancers. That's yeah. how I look at it. Wild. Uh, talk about the elephant in the room, the Latina in the room. That is Rita Moreno. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. took on the role, the role. For every little Latina and Latino, me too. I I wanted to play Anita at some point. (laughs) Yes, yes, you did. (laughs) Because because it is the role, uh, because of what she represents in Oscar history, but also because she's Rita Moreno. And you've spoken a lot about, you know, really making it your interpretation of Anita. And and she's also an executive producer. She gave you that space Mm -hmm. to do that. And last year always remember our conversations you were like listen this is still taking place in the 1960s and i look like me and i'm playing anita it's gonna it's gonna look and feel different and it does for that reason i i i agree with what you just said (laughs) um i've also said those things before um uh and it's 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 true it i i maintain it does look and feel different you know in 1957, um, she is Afro-Lat. She walks down the street. She's still she's a she's a black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, the microaggressions. I'm really proud that the microaggressions that you she may have experienced are very much in in the fabric of our film. Um, I credit Tony Kushner greatly for for being brave enough to include it to really allow my physical manifestation to inform his script. Mm-hmm. Um, he was not afraid of it. Stephen was not afraid of it. Um, and that's the type of experience, you know, that I wish for other actors as well, other Afro-Latinos, um, to be that included um, and integral into the making of the film, but also into just the heart of the film. Like I'm, I'm extremely proud. I do feel like this character really sits at the heart of this film. You know, the, her experiences as a, as a woman, as a human, as a lover, as a dreamer are at the heart of this film and it's good, bad, and ugly, you know, it's, um, and I think it's also indicative of the, 
the American experience for people of color in the world today, you know? Um, and I think that's why so many folks are relating to her. Um, Cause it's wild. This, it takes place in 1957, but we still feel these same feelings. Our grief is just as profound. And as much as we've ta- made strides forward, we still have so far to go. And the acknowledgement of the types of experiences we all have and the validation of those experiences. Like I do feel like my portrayal of Anita is a validation of our lived experiences as Afro-Latinos, you know, as people of color. Cause I, I will say I'm so, I've been so excited to hear from audience members who have taken in the film. And there are many Latinos who are just like, thank you for, for this. Thank you for letting us be seen in this way. Um, both Afro-Latinos and white presenting Latinos alike. Um, but so many other folks too. I have so many beautiful Asian followers who are like, I, I identify with this. Yeah. This is also part of something I've experienced in, in my life. And I was like, this is, she's, she's every woman, you know, she's, she is a, a quintessentially black woman, but she is every woman. And that's really cool. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for that. And and I, I do uh, to add to that point to ask you, because social media, as great as it is to get the word out, it also mm-hmm. is a cesspool of negativity mm-hmm. and headache. <laughs> you never you don't know that, right? <laughs> that's a, no, that's my God, know. it's just like oh. our playground of rainbows. What are you <laughs> exactly. <about>? Um <laughs> Especially, and listen, I, I feel this deeply as a, 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 someone who speaks out on Latino issues, mm. how people don't see the overlap of Afro-Latino, like they don't understand like really what that means that, hey, like right. both those things exist, but also even within the Latino community, you know, I, I talk about, you know, Latinos are not seen on screen, you know, we, we're at less than 5%. And I'll and I'll use the term Latinx, and then I'll see a whole thread about stop using Latinx. I'm like, you guys are arguing about this, right? And this huge problem is over here. What have you seen from that? What has been your observation, and what would you like to see change? What do you think? Well, I, I mean, many, many. There are many things that (laughs) I could say need to change, you know. But and I do, I do think that every community, every culture has its own, um issues that need to be addressed and how we treat each other right and how the community treats each other of course so my mother's just trying to text me in the oh. middle of a podcast don't you ignore your mom when you're on the when oh, you're on the no. line with me i'm not getting heat for that later <laughs> DeBose, oh DeBose. <laughs> mama debose i told her to pick up but she didn't pick up oh, go ahead i need that on the record <laughs> No, it's okay. It's okay. I got her. I got her. She's fine. Um, thank God. That's always my first question. Is everything okay? I'll call you back later. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think to go back to this very important question, there are many, many things that need to be addressed. Of course, we all have to look at how we treat each other within our communities. It's not just how the world is treating our community. There two things have to exist at the same time. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of inner work that needs to be done, but I will say. If we can't do the work to see each other, how do we expect the world to see us? And that to me is the bottom line. You know, I feel like there, what makes Latinidad so beautiful is that we do have so many nuanced customs and cultural cultures 
and they're all valid and they're all beautiful and you can own any and all of that and you should. But I do say my lived experience, I am doing something that is incredibly vulnerable right now. I have allowed West Side Story to bring me closer to my Hispanic heritage. And I've made no secret that I did not grow up in a Spanish-speaking household. I did not grow up with direct access to this part of who I am. So I'm learning in real time and I make mistakes all the time, but I own, I'm brave enough to own up to them and to learn and do better next time. Yeah. I will say I have experienced many folks who like to police what I get to own about myself, mm. if that makes sense. And that is a behavior that I see lots of communities exhibiting. We all like to police how each person gets to be Latina. And that is a very hard thing to stomach on a journey like this. My journey with identity, I say this all the time, my journey with identity is ongoing. Um, and I, I'm very committed. It's part of why I'm an actor. Every character I take on teaches me something about myself. You know, this film, this character happened to become very personal very fast. And so that's why I say empathy and compassion for each other should come first before we talk about what words necessarily we're using to describe each other. L let's see each other and have the conversation about who we are and who we want to be. I don't, I don't know. That's just my personal opinion. Um, it's, a, it's a good one. So, you know, I'm, it's also, it's the little things like here's a specific example. I did read an opinion piece recently about our film. Now, for the record, I don't make it um, a habit of reading reviews or reading opinion pieces, but this one was by someone that I, I, I do respect. Um, but they made the argument that there's this, uh, a, a moment in the pre-America scene, my cat, <laughs> where um, <laughs> where um, you, you hear Anita uh, refer to herself as Aprieta. Um, and, and essentially the whole conversation is about Oh, I'm not part of your family because I'm a black woman. Is this what we're doing here? So it's a color zone conversation. But <laughs> you're crazy. It's a very it's a very cute calico cat. It's a cute for, calico for people cat. who are for people who are not seeing what we're seeing. Uh, okay. Ariana DeBose's beautiful cat just entered <laughs> the the scene and it's calico the scene. and it's, and it's Ugh, really she's lovely. But of course, she I'm trying to talk about something very important and she's yeah. not having it. Yeah. What, what's um, your name, by the way? Isadora Duncan fondly called Izzy. That is the, you're the most theater person I've ever met in my life. Go ahead. <laughs> it gets worse. Um, all that to say, if you're having a, 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 sh a short, sweet, nuanced colorism conversation in the mm -hmm. context of this film, we also, this film also elected not to subtitle the Spanish. And there's, you can make the argument that, well, for American audiences, they're not going to understand what's going on. And that's a very important conversation to understand the language there. And I do agree with that. However, I would make the, the argument that you don't have to viscerally understand the Spanish, the language, to understand what you're seeing on that screen, period, point blank, end of story. And also, Spanish speakers understand what is being said. And quite frankly, that conversation has to start within our own community. 
So it's a twofold thing. And that's a hard, that is a hard thing to acknowledge. But the colorism conversation, as much as there is a colorism issue in the United States of America, we have colorism issues within our communities and we have to address it there first, in my opinion. Yeah. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's the conversation. It, I mean, I was talking about elephant in the room before. It's not really Rita Moreno. It's the colorism conversation. It's colorism. I mean, it, it's it, we we. It's so overdue, and it's and it's an uncomfortable one. And it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be heated. But we all need to have yeah. it, and, and people are just like, but it's, afraid to tackle it. And and I understand the fear there. I mean, look, going back to Rita Moreno. There was a reason that, you know, I've been I've been asked why I didn't initially think that this role or this film was a job for me. The reality of the situation is Rita Moreno has been the the prototype for Latinas in our industry. And if you didn't look like her or sound like her, you were not playing Latina in the entertainment field. And that, to me, is a fair statement because the. But the women that I grew up watching who are Latinas, I'm looking at J-Lo. I'm, I'm darker than J-Lo. I'm looking at Eva Longoria, beautiful Eva Longoria, um, Sofia Vagara. Like these women, they do not inherently look like me, but we are all Latina. Yeah. You know, we've, we've taken strides, I think, in the last five or so years. And there are, there are be- much better examples or not better examples, but more inclusive examples of, all the different ways that you can be and and present as a Latina in the industry, but it's still not fully represented. Yeah. Um, and to the degree that I think we can go, but it's also as an actor, again, two things have to be able to exist at one time. I want to be able to just play a human who happens to look like me, sound like me, and have my beliefs, don't have my beliefs. Maybe we're completely different, but I don't want to be pigeonholed mm-hmm. into just playing one type of character yeah. because of my heritage or my culture. Um, so it's it, it does get complicated. But again, that's why we have these conversations about representation in the industry and how we best need to move forward to portray humanity at large. Yeah. All right. I feel like I've just been on a cell phone. No, no. Just get, stand on that box. Please do so. <laughs> no, and, and listen, you, you also reiterated something that I spoke with Oscar Isaac about earlier this year. You know, that, that he, he like his career, you know, not in the totality, but a lot of his career is what I want for all Latinos. You know, he plays Timothy Chalamet's dad in Dune. In Dune. And like he's... <laughs> He's not Latino. He's just awesome. nope. he's just Timothy Chalamet's dad in Dune. He plays Lewin yeah. Davis in Inside Lewin Davis yeah. because he's just yeah. awesome. like it's not like you know Latino roles are important and I want those. I want those stories, but Absolutely. also I want to play stuff just because I'm good at it. Exactly, exactly. In the same way, it's like I'm also a queer identifying human. I don't want to always just be be offered or or considered for. For queer work yeah i'm playing anita <laughs> queen she's straight honey <laughs> like boo boo she loves her man <laughs> Ruff, you know scruffy bernardo a working man's bernardo my working my working man's bernardo working is sexy af yeah. and we love him for it you yeah. know and and i think that's 
those conversations have to be had too. Um, The important part about all of this is no matter what character you take on, you portray them with respect. You do your research, you bring your, your best self and your skill set to it, but you don't, you portray them responsibly. That's my thing about it. If you cannot do it responsibly and do it well, then respectfully don't do it. And I hold myself to that same standard. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I, I've I've one more question regarding this tough topic, and then we're gonna run move to like you know the more fun <laughs> stuff, quote unquote. Something lighter. Uh, yeah, yeah. Something lighter. Do Do you believe that? I mean, I mean, I don't say do you believe it because I know I know you're a smart woman, so I'm not even gonna like say. But I'll ask you: Do you believe that it the language is what people really pigeonhole us into? Meaning, like, if you speak Spanish, then you're you're latino but that also then gets jumbled with spaniards playing latino roles Mm -hmm. in in hollywood and not seeing the representation there uh you know there's a a lot of issues that happen and i have gotten a lot of arguments this year about someone like javier bardem playing desi arnez or penelope cruz playing a colombian in 355 and they're like, but they speak mm. Spanish. They're Spanish from Spain. I'm like, that's not the same thing. Do you feel that it, it, is an issue? I think it's nuanced. You know, what I'm again, I go back to that statement about portraying things responsibly. Mm-hmm. You know, um, ultimately, I did see being the Ricardos, and I thought Javier was charming. Um, his portrayal to me felt a responsible portrayal. Mm-hmm. So that is what I can say about that. I have not seen 355. Mm-hmm. I think it is nuanced. I think we have to look at how we can portray these these characters accurately, right? So, and accurate is going to come down to taste as well. So, and, and that's the hard part. You get into a director's taste and what they believe to be accurate <laughs> and then the truth of the accuracy. And it's going to fall somewhere in between there. It's a spectrum. I I like this is another one of those subjects that i believe there is more to uncover here there's more to discover but if we don't make room for your perspective clayton mm-hmm. and for there is the perspective of i don't know somebody else yeah. like we have to we have to make space for both of those and also see what can be done what is tangible in the context of each story if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm a, I also consider myself a business person. So I, I try to look at all several different sides of an issue. Right. Yeah. Um, and I do think that's really important. However, again, I use West Side Story as a really good example. Steven and his producing team and his creative team put in the research and they went and they spoke to different groups of people. Mm-hmm. They spoke to experts. They went to Puerto Rico to speak to the people. Yeah. You know, they searched high and low. Cindy Tolan did the craziest, most extensive search for authentic Latinx talent that she could find. Latine, Latinx, whichever word you want to use. We're all Latinos. Uh Period, point blank, end of story. And that is not where the conversation ends, is my point. If they can go through their process with this type of integrity, it should be a mile marker for where we start. If that makes sense. Yep. Um, and that is what I have to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, I want to ask you if you're fearful about something because we're in the mm-hmm. time of COVID, 
right? I think I think COVID's yeah. going on. So right, like I think it's still happening. Oh, it's- it's a, it's a very real thing. And if yeah. someone's telling you it's not, yeah. I don't know where they're uh, living. I mean, January 6th is tomorrow. So we can talk about that. Um, but West Side oh, Story God. didn't West Side Story didn't light up the box office as uh, many of us hope we, we, we would have wanted to see. And that is brings about a fear about movie musicals getting greenlit in the future, future movie musicals. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your hope there and were you disappointed by like that showing uh, at the box office you think it was just covid that's what it is i mean i'm i i by no means am a box office specialist (laughs) so (laughs) so let let me not speak to the money to the money because honestly that's a higher pay grade than mine not gonna lie what i can say is i do believe that Many people have had to make very tough decisions for the safety of themselves and their families. Mm-hmm. And ultimately that does have to come first right now. Yep. Um, you know, even with myself, I'm I've been out in the world promoting this film, but I've I've had to make some decisions about how I want to move forward with that. How how can I best protect my family? We've we've all been through the holidays. It's been a lot. So I think there are a lot of factors that go into some of some of what we're seeing at the box office. I think people's tastes, you know, change in real time. I think the needs of society change in real time. But again, I think this film, our film, is has been extremely timely. It's made a lot of people think about things that they've not thought about in a minute in this way. We gave, we gave a classic story a new face. Um, and I also feel that everyone who has needed to see it has seen it thus far and they will continue to see it. West Side Story is not going anywhere. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not going anywhere. So I I'm I personally don't spend a lot of time looking at box office numbers. Um but also as an actor, I didn't make this film for box office numbers yeah. on a personal note. Yeah. So but my hope, you asked specifically about specifically about movie musicals. Yeah. They're always going to be necessary. And relevant, and people are always gonna like them. Yeah, <laughs> they just are. I mean, I I believe. I mean, I think about something like Greatest Showman. Like when that movie came out, it took a million dollars. Yeah, it, but it made so much money, and I'm like, well, I'm still watching Greatest Showman. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, movie musicals are there for you to continue to revisit. Why? Because the music is catchy. It makes you feel good. It makes you think, and it helps you heal. Yeah. So in my opinion, as long as they are made well, they will continue to be made. Yeah. I'm ready for an Assassin's movie, by the way. That's like my favorite Sondheim. Okay. Yeah. I need, and you know what? I'm not going to lie. I need to revisit that piece. I, I, I saw it. Uh, I saw it the first year it came out when it was Avenue Q and Wicked Year, that whole big yeah. year. And Neil Patrick Harris is in it. And that, that show rocks. Okay. All right. So, I'm gonna read this. Feel free to be in it. You can be in it too. I think you'd be great in it. <laughs> I feel like people would start to get a little annoyed that I'm in a lot of musicals. <laughs> so maybe I'll give them a break. <laughs> Fine. Um, okay, Emma Tate. Let's talk about Schmigadoon. Mm. Oh, Schmigadoon. Yeah. That, oh, talk, shmig- about jo- talk about joy. Just yeah. joy. I loved it yeah, so much for you. That's why I wanted to do it. If I wasn't, I wasn't looking for the job. It sort of surprised me. Um, but I, I thought she 
the character of Emma Tate had the capacity to be, you know, full of joy and complicated and just like feisty and lovable at the same time. And who doesn't love a complicated lady? Come on. <laughs> oh. um, you have two projects on the horizon, ISS yeah. and Arg- Ar- Argyle. Argyle. Yeah. Matthew Vaughn's Argyle. So what's up with those Very two cool. things? You know, I I actually don't have an update on ISS, but we shot that um, during the pandemic, um, the beginning of last year. It's Gabrielle Calperthwaite, Gabriella Calperthwaite. She brought you Blackfish and Our Friend with Dakota Johnson. Johnson. Thank yeah. you. Brilliant film. Love that film. And I just love her. In fact, our birthdays are like a day apart. So that was a very like, Never. I don't know, felt like an astrological yeah fun uh collaboration to work with her um uh but it's it's a space movie i made a space movie you guys i spent like uh what felt like two months in a harness you know playing with pilu a spec who i think is one of the greatest actors of our generation and chris messina who just couldn't be more talented like he just I, I, he's like he a really nice guy too i hate that he's yes. kind uh, yeah it's yeah. like you want to hate him yeah but I don't like also, it. <laughs> he's also a nerd, though. Like, and he's he's my he's my kind of guy because yeah. we would just sit there and eat dark chocolate and wax poetic about the craft. Dark chocolate. Um. Oh yeah, I'm a dark chocolate person. No, you don't like like dark chocolate with chili peppers. No, bummer. No, Are you a milk chocolate guy? You don't I, like chocolate, I, do well, you? I, I'm not really big on chocolate, but if I do chocolate, it's milk chocolate. I only like like Reese's mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like not like so a little more commercial. You're more, commercial I am more. I'm definitely person. way more commercial <laughs> on that. Yes. Okay. Um, yes. Uh, so that's ISS for for most of it, and um, Argyle, incredible ensemble cast. I um, Matthew actually hired me without realizing I was in West Side Story. So I, I literally was like, you don't know about West Side Story? He was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, this is I lo- great. I love it. I love, <laughs> I love this. Yeah. I was like, I love this for me. This is fantastic. Um, I got it on my own merit, not just because I'm riding a wave, you know? Because you also, as an actor, you get nervous that yeah. like, oh, maybe I'm booking because of this thing. And I was like, no, I have, I have something to offer him. And it couldn't have been a, a cooler experience working with Henry Cavill and, and, and John Cena and international treasure. That is Catherine O'Hara. I, my God, like my God. Um, and then you worked with Catherine O'Hara. Oh yeah. We're homies. Um, we are homies and her husband, Bo, this was fun. Cause we all, we all got to have a, a lovely little, little dinner and maybe a cocktail. Mm-hmm. Um, and her husband, Bo, is our set designer for Schmigadoon. Like, wild. And Bo's like the craziest talent in the world. He also did Beetlejuice. I think that's where they met. Like, So I just, it's been such a wild couple of years, but it's given me the opportunity to meet so many people and work with so many people that I respect and admire and get to know the cool, cool weirdos that they are. Because yeah. I'm going to tell you something, we're all weirdos. Don't let anybody fool you. It's my um, best quality. <laughs> yeah. And the, and you know what? Let your weirdo flag fly. Yeah. I'm here for it. I like it. 
who now now that you've worked with Steven Spielberg, anyone's going to pale in comparison. But who, who would you like to work with, directing wise? Uh, next, if you could just have your pick of the litter, grab two. Oh my gosh, um, two. Okay. Uh, I have an answer for you too. So after you give yours, I, I know who I want you to work with. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Um, you know, I'm not sure yet. To be honest, I'm actually I just got to the space where I could think clearly enough to start setting new goals. And because I realized that like, what a blessing, like the new year happened. And I was like, wait, everything I said I wanted to go after or achieve, like it's, it showed up like that's a freaking blessing. But I, I will say I've always loved Aaron Sorkin text. So I would love to do an Aaron Sorkin piece with like a really meaty, juicy part I want to be a side story. I want to be like a main event. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Which also, what a challenge! <laughs> Those roles are hard. Those are that's dialogue. That's like that's dialogue. That's, well, yeah. Some of the actors I respect the most in the world, their command of the text and their understanding of what is being said mm-hmm. and not being said, like what's in between the line or in between the period and the next sentence. Like, I'm so in awe of that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would love to work with Guillermo. I just think he's Del Toro. I just. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just think he's a prolific mind and a prolific artist. And I would love to have the honor of, of working with someone like him. Also, I'm obsessed with the wheel of time right now. So I'm just like, <laughs> I'm, I'm holding out for a hero. Trying to, trying to speak with Rafe Judkins. Yeah. I'm like, just t- tell me how you're creating all these channeling sequences. I want to know what's happening. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my answer is for you. I, I need you to work yeah. with uh, Ava DuVernay. I think, okay. okay. And, I need you, and I need you to work with Todd Haynes. Oh, I must work. With, I must. Yeah. yeah. And and actually, it's very specific. I want you to work with Todd Haynes, and I want that movie to also star Christina Ricci with you. Oh. Like, I don't, do I, like, have... it, it came together in my, like, I was like, I, I need it. I don't know what the story is about. I need that. <laughs> it's just going to be on my screen. I'll lose my face. It's fine. I'll live, maybe. But, okay. yeah. Okay. That Todd Haynes piece, whatever it's going to be, it's it's made for you. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take on both of those. We're going to manifest that. I have no idea what Ava, if Ava would ever be interested in working with me, but I would probably take that on. I think, I think that those could be really cool partnerships. Awesome. Uh, I would spend all day with you, but. Okay. Ariana DeBose. Was there anything we didn't cover? I mean, I mean, I mean, we, co- we, we, we covered like the the yeah. gamut of life, and you know, yeah. and Latino ness. Uh, you are <laughs> you, you are incredible. Um, I have Thank a you. really good feeling that Rita Moreno, who's currently the only Latina to ever win an Academy Award, may get some company soon. That's that's, that's just me speaking very vaguely. Do you know if she's, by the way, do you know if she's nominated? She'll be the first Latina yeah. oh, sorry, to ever be nominated a second time. Yeah. Sure. I th- I mean, come on. <laughs> you know what I, come on. I mean, I'm just over here. Like I enjoy watching history being made. I yeah. really do. You you know, like, the, old, the oldest ever nominated ever in any category. Oh. Well, you know, I'm, ro- I'm rooting for all my Latinas, yeah. my Latinas, my Latinos, and especially my queen, Rita yeah. Moreno. That's Ariana DeBose, star of West Side Story, currently in theaters. And that's it for this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. 
The Award Circuit Podcast is edited by Drew Griffith and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Oscar predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Janelle Riley, Jazz Tanke, and Michael Schneider, I'm Clayton Davis. We'll see you on the circuit. Thank you.